Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we continue our coverage of the Oscar nominees in the technical categories. You can listen in any order, but pace yourself. Nine episodes total, and depending on when you're listening to this, something less than two and a half weeks until the ceremony. Today, we're going to discuss this year's nominees for costume design. And a warning, spoilers are possible. My guests today are both returning to the show. First, Allison Che Brown. Allison, you're a set costumer and a costume designer. Most recently, you were the key costumer for The Upshaws, which will start streaming on Netflix in May. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Also happy to have back Katie Irish. Katie, you've most recently been working as the costume designer on Hit and Run, which is also a Netflix show. They haven't announced a release date, but it should air sometime in 2021. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Glad you're both here. Let's talk first about screening films during the pandemic. Tell me a little about your movie watching experience over the last year. I know for me, I've actually seen more of the films this year than usual. And largely it's because I have been able to sit on my couch and watch them. And I have been home to be on my couch to see them. I've noticed that as well, that there's uh, there has been time to watch things. And there's been a lot more streaming this year. The streaming really stepped up. But at the same time, I think a lot of the big studio features got frozen. And in fact, the folks who normally would have sent a lot of DVDs, there were still some, but a lot of those, I think, sort of just skipped the season altogether. But maybe you guys have a different impression of that in the same sense, or I think there's still the same kind of range as we expect. Um, a lot of the, the screeners that I got, they were already streaming. Um, I think I watched maybe a few that were released to me like a couple weeks before they were released on streaming, but I definitely noticed there weren't as many screeners. I don't know about what you think, Katie. I actually am only a member of the Television Academy, so I don't get screeners for Oscars. So I have to rely on everything either being out in the theaters or streaming. Well, with that challenge, both of you were able to see this year's nominees as it shook out, and we'll go ahead and turn our attention to those. We're going to talk about them in alphabetical order. First up, Emma, the costume designer, Alexandra Byrne. What did you guys think of Emma? Emma is actually one of the first ones I saw, and I absolutely adored it. I love Jane Austen anyways, um, but then just seeing the translation of the clothing and the transformation that occurs is, is really, really well done, in my opinion. And Alexandra Byrne, I mean, I find everything she does is kind of astounding. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I thought it was super fun. I feel a little bad. I actually kind of passed through it many times on Netflix. I was like, oh, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> Even though I love Jane Austen. And I also love um, this costume designer's work. I mean, super prolific. Uh, she, I mean, just a little backstory. Like she did Mary Queen of Scots. She did Avengers. She's done Thor. She's done like two of the Elizabeths. Um, and she actually won and she's been nominated a bunch. So she's like really, um, she's really thorough in terms of just having that experience and like all of those different eras. So she had a lot of experience and so it made sense why she did Emma. Uh, it's also really fun to watch a film about, oh, that Jane Austen did because they're so wealthy. <laughs> so like they have so much money yeah. and they can just wear whatever they want. You never see it twice. And it makes sense because they just live in these like, beautiful homes with beautiful gowns and you know, hats and gloves and everything that matches. And so it's perfect and they're very clean because they have all, all that help, you know, dressing them. So I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. 
I saw Emma specifically for our conversation. I, like you, Allison, had skipped over it many times on Netflix. But I think even if I wasn't watching for the costumes, I was impressed with it was more than just a period piece. Like this film is not just because of the Jane Austen connection. I, I felt like the costumes really did tell a story. And I wonder if either one of you wants to go deeper on that as far as some of the specific levels of why this is more than just another period movie, if you will. I think one of the things that Allison mentioned about them being wealthy is a key part to it because you get to see all of the opulence as it relates in the clothes. And in the primary story where she is taking in the ward and really transforming her, you get to see this lavishness come into her life, both in fabric choices and color, in all of the kind of accessories that begin to appear. And so it really is a rich life that is benefited by being on film because you can see all those small details, the lace additions, things like that that happen. Yeah, I was really uh, struck also by the palette. Um, it's so clean and everything's really perfect. Like, it's interesting because this costume designer, she actually started out in terms of wanting to do like production design and she was like more involved in theater and she's, she's British, so she's not American. So um, a lot of the, the Brits get these like amazing jobs because they're over there anyway in the shooting. And they're just, they have the background in it. Um, so it was interesting because I thought the production design and the costume design and hair and makeup were married really, really well. And it's, it's a story about love, but also um, boredom in terms of just classism. You know, she's just this wealthy, bored girl that doesn't have a lot of talents. She has beauty, but she's just bored and she kind of just like to control these people's lives. So, you know, I thought that was interesting in terms of just watching that classism happen over your screen. And it's just primarily just, you know, white, upper class, uh, wealthy, um, younger generation people, like pretty much. Yeah, but also I just thought it was very like theatrical, which with her experience and background, it kind of made sense because it just almost seemed like, like a like a like a pastel cake to like watching it. Just everything was just really pristine and perfect and very clean. And yeah, the palettes and yeah, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it. Not particularly relevant to our conversation now, but the movie overall, I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would, given how long I had put it off and I was watching it. So I was caught up, but I actually thought it was really done overall. I'm, uh, I was, again, not relevant to our costume discussion, but I would recommend it to people that they check out this version of the Jane Austen story. Oh yeah, definitely. I kind of wish that... Um, uh, my hubby would have watched it with me because I think he would have enjoyed it because I think he doesn't really always watch these period pieces. But I mean, I think it was a really tight film also, just cohesive, um, fluid, uh, great story. And you know, I'm a fan of that actress too. So yeah, I would re definitely recommend it. I think a lot of times people forget how funny Jane Austen can actually be and the situations and how ridiculous and, you know, if you look, if you remember Clueless and how that's based obviously on a Jane Austen, you know, it's just, if you think about it in those terms, then you come to it with, I think, a different mindset as opposed to just being the stuffy period drama. Agreed. Allison, I hope the hubby will give it another shot. You guys get another chance at that. He's, you can tell him he's got my recommendation as well. Let's move on to the next film on our list. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, costume designer Anne Roth. Okay, so, well, first of all, it's Anne Roth, and she's, like, completely prolific. I mean, I was actually, I, like, when I searched how many times she's been nominated, I was actually really surprised that she's only been nominated 
two, four, five times. And she's been making films for decades upon decades. Uh, she did Midnight Cowboy, Nine to Five. She did um, the English Patient. She actually won for the English Patient. She did Birdcage, Talented Mr. Ripley, Mamma Mia, The Hours, Julie and Julia. I mean, it just goes on and on how many films she's done. Um, and she has a very close relationship with her um, ACD assistant costume designer. So that's why I think she's so prolific because she does so many films in a year and she's, she's a lot older now. But um, I was actually so surprised that she's only won once because she's just done so much and like different genres across the decades. I mean, it doesn't matter. She does it. Comedies, you know, period pieces, dramas, etc. cetera. Uh, this movie was great. I loved it. It's based off a play. I thought, I thought it was really interesting that it was nominated, first of all, because it's just basically just in the sound state, like the sound stage, the recording stage, recording studio. And they pretty much only wear that one outfit. And it's 1927. So you have three piece suits and it's really hot, you know, it's in Chicago and it's the summer. So it, it's interesting because you do see the progression of taking off the jackets, you know, taking off the vests, maybe rolling up their sleeves, putting it back on once they're in like recording stage and they have to be professional again. Um, you know, she's able to talk through the clothes, um, explain kind of what's going on in the scenes in terms of like, are they in front of white people? You know, are they, what are, do they have to wear their hat? Are they inside outside? So, but it's basically just those clothes. And at the beginning, you have just a little bit of the moments of Ma Rainey's um, progression of success. So she starts in Georgia and she's poor. She's in, you know, she's performing in like a tent stage um, just with people with fans. You can like feel the heat through that whole movie. I feel like I was like sweating with them. And, you know, pretty much the whole movie is just with a black cast. You look, you few white people here and there in terms of the recordings, like producers, but it's pretty much like a black cast. So I think she did a beautiful job with the cinematographer in, in terms of just like the lighting of the, the color of them and also how it, how it accents their clothes. There's like a beautiful yellow hue, I thought through the entire movie and the makeup glistening with all the beaded work on all of her dresses. There's pretty much, I think only three outfits she wears. It's like a burgundy, um, I think like a sheer silk at the beginning with a lot of like beading and like sequins. And it's always like adorned with her gold jewelry and you know, her makeup that's just like melting off her face. And then she eventually gets well, like more wealthy. And she's like in a, like a deep royal blue velvet dress with still adorned with like beads that just glisten with like the lights on her. And then the same gold necklace, which I appreciated because I love when they continue things throughout. And then eventually when she gets to the recording stage, I thought it was hilarious. She, she walks in with like, like mink and it's so hot out that she still wants to wear fur, you know? And she's also very emasculated because, or masculine because she is, um, she's a queer woman. She's like with another woman as her partner. And, um, you know, she's wearing like a men's cap. She walks in with a men's cap. She's got like a damask, like velvet dress, fur. She's sweating, but she like wants to know, she wants you to know who she is. And it's Viola Davis. And she didn't gain weight for the part. She wore a fat suit underneath her dress and she wore it like she gained the weight. I mean, I was so convinced that she had that new bust and she had those new hips, but it was all fake. And it was so convincing. And it was so, I, I loved that movie. I thought it was great. I thought she did an amazing job wearing the costumes, the costumes did not wear her. And uh, uh, Chadwick Bosman, um, he did a great job 
unfortunately that was shot right around the time when he was um, at the end of his life. So he lost a lot of weight. So in terms of just like all those pinstripe suits, I felt my heart broke watching him because I knew how much weight he had lost. He went, when he was Black Panther, he gained all that weight and had all the muscle mass. And I just, it broke my heart watching this because he had lost so much weight and you could see it. And I know they did their best to tailor the suits to his new body type, but it was, it was very heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, he still played that really fl flashy role. He had the widest pinstripes. I mean, it was, it was great. And he bought those gold shoes right yeah, before he like walked in that studio. I mean, big fan. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. I love, as Allison brought up, the clothing used as armor, especially when they were going into places where they knew they might not be welcome. Like when Ma Rainey is going through the tea room and she puts, you see her, as you said, put on that huge stole and it is hot and everyone is hot. She's like, I don't care. This is what I am wearing. You will know who I am. Um, and I felt the same way with those gold shoes. Like, you know, it's like these, this is a time where men, if you had two pairs of shoes, you had a black pair of shoes to go to church and you had a brown pair of shoes to wear, you know, for every day. You did not have bright, lovely yellow shoes that were, you know, the exact right color to pop with among everything else that was in the scenes with them. Like the shoes were what you were watching, um, which is what they were meant to be. They were meant to be that flashy. I actually had a slightly different take just because I actually worked with Viola Davis in Fences on Broadway. I was the assistant designer on that show. Um, so having done August Wilson work with her and she's such a phenomenal actress and understanding how involved she was in our process with uh, Constanza Romero was the designer on that project. So just understanding how involved Vi was at that point with her character in that piece, I can only imagine the conversations that she and Anne Roth must have had developing Ma. Um, but one of the things that I really did love is kind of how unabashedly sexy this woman is and how comfortable in her body. And as Allison pointed out, so much of it was a fake rubber suit, but she owned it and it all worked so well. And it was her that even though you'd read all the articles, I knew it wasn't really her you know, filling all of the costumes out that it had been helped, but you forgot it completely. It so was just an embodiment of this strong woman that was an amazing thing to watch. Just, and then as, again, as Allison said, she wore the clothes, not vice versa. I really loved her um, bus line. Like, I really wonder how they, I just, I really would love to see it under, <laughs> I want to take her clothes up and I want to see the whole <laughs> costume like underneath. I think it was amazing. I kept like I watching. I was like, it's so seamless. And I know, again, in reading interviews, I know Vi has said that the hips were fake, but the bust was all mine. But, you know, what one does, what undergarments one wears in order to make someone's bust be where you want it to be. And, right. you know, no, I agree with you. I want to see fitting photos. I want to know, like, <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, what is under these? Because you're right, they skimmed the body so perfectly. And at no point was it ever dis distracting or detracting from the scene. But, you know, I want to see. Yeah, I think we just know because she's, she's also just in so much so you know what her body really looks like and then she's like yeah. in another movie and you're like well she didn't lose the weight that fast 
yeah, yeah. And she has a phenomenal figure and looks oh, yeah. amazing. And, you know, but again, she also looked amazing as Ma Rainey. So which, again, you know, it's just, I, it's always nice to be surprised to see people whom you know and you've worked with and see them in this role and be like, oh my God, okay, yeah, yes, let's do this. I wanted to ask you both to talk a little bit about process. You mentioned um, Chadwick's gold shoes, which are obviously a plot point. As a costume designer, when you have wardrobe that is key to the story, to the plot, talk to me a little about the process of making that real for the film, if that makes sense. To sort of, what's that process? Like how, how much are you locked into what's written or can you bring to it? Or how critical is sort of that, that process leading up to it? I have to be honest, I read the play in college, but I probably have not touched it since then. So I don't know if it's actually scripted that they're gold. Do you know, Allison? No, I, I don't know. And they might not be. Like, again, I, when I say prominent in the play, I just think him getting the shoes, though, is clearly, I, well, I shouldn't say clearly because I haven't read the play, but presumably that is an important part of the play and wardrobe. Although, again, there could be aspects that I'm, I'm unfamiliar for, for me, the process is always having, there are lots of conversations and meetings, and usually it starts with the director and talking in general about the characters and what is there in the script that we know, that we say, that other characters say, um, what ideas does the director have? And then uh, the first thing I do when I have a fitting with someone and I meet them for the first time is we sit down and we talk for however long it takes. I always overschedule time for the first fitting because I want to know what that actor has in mind. Um, sometimes it aligns with what I've seen. Sometimes it's completely different. Um, but at the end of the day, my job is to make this person come alive on screen and to help support the actor, not fight against whatever they have in their mind. So these conversations about you know what it is and from there, figuring out what color it is goes into the color palette for the whole show or especially what that scene is. If it's meant to be something truly featured, you, won't, you don't want anything else in the scene that's that color. You don't want them sitting on a sofa that's the same color as you know, what they're wearing. So then it becomes very technical about talking to your production designer and your lighting, you know, and making sure that it's lit the right way. And, you know, everybody has all the fitting photos and can see the items and do camera tests if necessary to make sure it, it pops in the way that it needs to. Yeah. I feel the same way in that regards of it just being a, a collaboration because like I recently spoke to a director and I was mentioning something about like a jacket. Now she wears a jacket, this scene and this page. And he was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he wrote it. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? So sometimes like <laughs> they'll write things just to like have something and it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. And sometimes it's such a plot point that it cannot be removed. So it's always um, nice to talk about it because you can't assume that it doesn't matter or that it always does. And also because we're always thinking about costumes we have good ideas too. So they might not think about something that we know will play better on camera or actually you're shooting this exterior night. You might not want that, you know, and this one might be better. It might pop better in light, et cetera. So um, it's always good to like speak up and try to give your two cents. And then like Katie was saying, it's really important that the actor feels good in what they're wearing because 
definitely want them to believe uh, their character and they want to feel good and not like it's second, like it, it can't be second nature. It has to just be like seamless because the audience will be distracted and they won't be engrossed in the film and they'll, the wall will go up and they won't believe it. So it's important to just have everyone feel like natural in terms of that. So I'm really glad that you do that in terms of before your fittings. Yeah, I just I always feel like fittings take so long anyway. But, <laughs> like, how do you even like that extra time? They they always do. And the first time I meet someone, they're like, "Really? You need three hours?" I was like, "I may, I may not." But you know, it depends on how long the person wants to talk. I I certainly don't want to cut an actor off if we're talking for the first time about their character and they have a lot to say. I want to give them that time and make sure that I hear what they're saying, and then we can you know begin to build from there. Because if they're saying a lot of stuff that I haven't heard or the director hasn't heard, then it's important for us to all hear it so we can get on the same page. Oh, absolutely. Um, but as you were saying, Skid, though, about stuff being written into scripts and what you were saying, Allison, about you know the jacket and even forgetting they've written it, even when something specific is written, like the, she walks in in a black t-shirt and jeans, it's like, okay, well, is it a black t-shirt from Barney's and a pair of designer jeans? Is it a black t-shirt from Old Navy and a pair of Gap jeans? Or is it her boyfriend's black t-shirt that she picked up off the floor and a pair of 501s? These are three very different women wearing black t-shirts and jeans. And that's where we come in as costume designers. And, and, and usually the, the response is, oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's, and that's when you have six fitting photos of different black t-shirts and jeans. <laughs> And then it's also like when they finally come in to look at it, they're like, oh, that's what it looks like. And you're like, well, it's been better if you just didn't only look at a photograph and you would have not missed this meeting. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn our attention to the next film on our list. Mank, costume designer, Trish Somerville. I really enjoyed Mank. I've got to be honest. And I have to say, I hate to say it, but I was, I don't want to say I was dreading watching it, but it, it took me a little bit to gear up to watch Mank. I mean, obviously David Fincher is an amazing filmmaker, but I was just like, okay, I don't know. I don't, I have to be, I have to be honest. I don't like Citizen Kane. So I wasn't sure how much I was actually going to enjoy a story about the writing of <laughs> Citizen Kane. Um, however, that being said, I mean, Amanda Seyfried as Marion Davies and all of the beautiful things that, that happened there and the juxtaposition between Hollywood life and Gary Oldman, like holed up in the desert, you know, in this body cast for, for a portion of, you know, the portion of the movie was fantastic. I thought. Oh my gosh! I felt I felt the opposite. I like I love Susan Kane, and I was like, I was like, okay, I saw Mank. That happened. That happened. It was a beautiful film. Everyone did a great job. I loved Fincher. I thought all the actors did a great job. They looked great. They were dressed really well. I just, I just thought it was a very boring, long film. And actually a lot of my friends that saw it thought the same thing. My mom couldn't even finish it. She's like, oh, Allie, she's like, you didn't, you didn't really like it either. She's like, oh, I'm not the only one. I thought that everyone should like this. And I didn't like this. And I was like, it's okay. I mean, I, it wasn't terrible. I just, I just wasn't like, I, I know, I think it's, is it like supposed to win for best picture? Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I, not to, be a tiebreaker or anything, but yeah, Katie, I'm on with Allison on this one where it was, I had really, really high hopes. Uh, I'm a big Fincher fan and I thought, let him run wild with what he wants to do and all the Netflix money. And then I just, I found it a bit of a, 
just a bit of a slog through history that was not well contextualized for me. And so it was sort of a, a lot of, did that really happen? And did that, and just sort of not really being as entertained by the film. But what guys, what do you guys think put it on the costume list? Besides the obvious that it's a period piece, people vote for that, but what jumped out to you from the costume side on Mank? It's a hard contender when it's in black and white, you know, like you're already, you're already gonna have that disadvantage. Um, she did a great job, you know, I think, I think it looked great, you know, when they jumped from the early 30s back up to the 40s. I, I thought, you know, it looked great. I just, um, when you have like Emma and Mulan and you have even Pinocchio, I mean, you just adding colors at one extra layer, it's clear that she thought about like textures and colors and like lights, you know, silks glistened, et cetera. Um, the, the, the party, the, um, the circus attire party around mm-hmm. the big table, I think was very, very stimulating in terms of aesthetics and costumes. But overall, you're just with a lot of men in like tweed suits and, you know, it, you don't get like that much. Um, Amanda's not in it. She's in it, but in terms of just being really like glamorous, it, it's a lot of just Gary Oldman, you know, <laughs> like writing and being in meetings. And so you don't get all that glitz and glamour. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I liked it and I thought they did a great job. I just don't know in terms of if it could win. I don't think so. I agree. I mean, I, I don't think it will win. I do think the Oscars tend to go for the fantastical first and the strong period piece second. And then never, ever will a modern dress film win for, for costume design, sadly. But I do think that the attention to detail and what would be seen in black and white was really spectacular. The distressing on Gary Oldman, the clothing that the women and the people in his world when he was not in the Hollywood, you know, at the soirees and at the circus party and, you know, kind of the salons where he was being the resident crank were, um, you know, was very different than what we were seeing elsewhere. I thought it was interesting how it introduced his brother, Joe, who, you know, went on to be a big kind of a studio director who did like 40 films, I think, for them um, and had this tiny little bit part, except for when he read the script at the very end and he said it was the best thing he'd ever read. So I did find that there were ties that visually, like between the brothers, they were visually linked to me costume-wise, and kind of were bridging both of those worlds in a way that I think was really well done. Yeah, definitely well done. I agree. No complaints. Just maybe that the whole entire film was just too long. (laughs) I I feel that way about Citizen Kane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, Citizen Kane is long, but I think the thing with Citizen Kane is because when it, the, the, the time period it came out, it just was so new and just, you know, impressive, you know what I mean? But now it's like, when you look back, you're like, oh, well, this could have been done this way, da, da, da. but the vision, I appreciated the, the vision back then. I, I, I fully admit that I appreciate the relevance and the obvious, you know, effect that it had on cinema and on the cinematic process. And I've seen it once, and that is lovely. And <laughs> I can appreciate it from afar. Well, it'll be interesting the break on Mank as far as awards go, because obviously they're up for a lot of awards. So it will be featured in, in 
many of these conversations we're having about the Oscars. Um, I, I feel like as the film overall, and I'll just go on record with this episode to say so that it, it was awfully self-aware in a way that it doesn't quite transcend for me. It doesn't quite take me somewhere else. Through that detail, it feels very much indulgent in the detail on some level. So that's, uh, we'll see, but we'll see, how, we'll see how things turn out for it. Talking about the films that get picked up, I think we turn to Mulan, costume designer Bina Daigler. Am I pronouncing her name correctly? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was like trying to like look up her history. I was like, she's born in Germany. She does a lot of Spanish films. I'm so confused, like where she's based and like what exactly. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I've pronounced her name correctly or not, uh, but Mulan, um, you talked about the, um, what was the word you used, Katie? The fantastical often being the early choice. And I feel like this movie might fall into that category. Talk to me more about the costuming on this one. I think that anytime you have a well-loved film that has come out previously, you and you are remaking it, you are up for a challenge. And obviously this, I think, was no exception. I know that for the, when Mulan is getting dressed for the matchmaking scene, they matched that shot for shot for the cartoon, um, which I thought was really interesting. I thought that the scene, speaking specifically about that sequence, having seen her being so beautiful and free riding horseback prior to that, and then seeing the getting dressed scene where it was all about tying this, tying that, tight knots, wrapping it, doing you know all of these constricting things after just having seen her be so free. But in layers and layers of clothing that is stunningly beautiful on an, you know, already beautiful woman was really well done. And again, it, it's storytelling through clothes. It's showing the physical constrictions that were happening as well as the emotional ones at that point. I can imagine there was a lot of multiples that were in play for everybody, especially with the armor, because armor, when you were fighting on foot versus on horseback, the whole water sequences, like those are all very different things that you will need. So for the sheer size and scope of it, I pass off to me. Yeah. Yeah. The film's like super impressive. And I agree. I feel like the people that vote in terms of the Academy Awards, um, if it's just that much more impactful, I mean, unfortunately, this people had to see this at home and they couldn't see it on the big screen, but I can imagine how impactful that would have been. And uh, just in terms of color, I thought I thought she did a really good job uh, with making a live action Disney movie. You know, I mean, when the first scene, like when they're like in the village and like, it's very colorful, very colorful. Mm -hmm. Like he's wearing a green hat, he's wearing yellow, he's wearing red, you know, it's very, and I was like, oh, this is Disney. She did a good job because it, it feels like um, very happy and clean and colorful, like overtly colorful, but but in a, in a child, and not in a childish way, and that's a strong adjective, but just, I guess, playful in a really playful way, in a, Dis in a Disney way. And it wasn't, it, in terms of just what dynasty was based off this or this, I mean, it wasn't, in it wasn't exactly accurate because it didn't have to be. And I, I'm not, if it, it doesn't have to be, things don't have to be historical necessarily to be successful. Um, and I know she was getting some flack about that because it's like, well, what's this piece of armor matching with this? And like, I'm okay with that. It, 
she wasn't claiming to be like, you know, every single piece was accurate. You know, there's some room for interpretation. There's some room to like have that breath as a designer and that she, she was trying to do. And she was fully aware of it. And I know that her and the, the director, they worked very closely together having that dialogue, like, are you okay with this? And going back and forth. But yeah, aesthetically, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was great. Um, I wish I would have rewatched it because I watched it so early on. Did you, when, Katie, when did you watch this movie? Did you just recently watch this? I just recently watched it because I actually hadn't seen it. <laughs> it was one of the ones I hadn't seen. And I was like, okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, I should rewatch this, but it's like such a beast of a movie. Like, I, I couldn't just like skim through it. I was like, no, I have to like sit down and rewatch it, but I just didn't have time to rewatch it. But I, I was able to kind of relook at the images of like, oh, yeah, the matchmaking and like when she enters and all those things. And um, how did you like the villain's costume? Were you into that? Were you into the make? Were you into the whole thing? I wasn't, I wasn't sure how I felt about that costume and that look. The, I have to say that was the one part where, and this is me, I do not know all of the various dynasties and what is accurate or not accurate. And as you say, a lot of times that doesn't matter. But the villain was one moment where I was like, huh. And it somewhat took me out of it. Yeah, me too. Just because there were elements that seemed more Native American to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and again, I didn't know if that was just that I'm an American. And so to me, looking at this imagery, that is what it calls to mind. I lived in Oklahoma for five years. I know, you know, I was around a fair amount of Native American imagery at that point. Um, and so I didn't know if that was something that that was what my mind identified it as erroneously, or if it was something that, you know, was accurate or, you know, fantastical because it just worked for the character and for the story. So I don't know where I come down on it, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I know I, I'm pretty much with you with all of that. Like that kind of like did take me out of it. And I know that she, in terms of a creature, she had a lot of magic. She had a lot of black magic. So she could transform back into a bird. And so she you wanted her to look like a bird, but also as a human. So there was like that aspect, but it just wasn't my favorite in terms of all the costumes. And I just thought that was just uh, such a loss for me because she's such an important character in the, for mm -hmm. the entire film. And for me not to be a fan of how she looks uh, right off the bat, um, I just I was kind of like I was a little disappointed in that. I don't know if it was the was the dramatic band of makeup on her eyes, because also I just thought just having Asian eyes, I know how like runny my eyes get, so I feel like there was constant having to like make it look perfect again, but it never really can because you're like out in the middle of China like shooting this crazy film and like it's super wide and then it goes. I mean, I just like how can they even do touch ups that fast? It just was like crazy for me. So I was like why did they do her makeup like that? It was, it just was too hard to keep up. I thought, I, it was just very, it was a very distracting character to me. Like everything else, I was like, I'm good with this. But her character, I was like, mm, I don't know. Well, the other thing, it's interesting you mentioned the band across the eyes. Everything else was so organic about her character. Yeah. And that was something that was so geometric that yeah. that may have been something that I bumped against because everything else was, you know, gnarled or as you say, you know, bird-like. And then just to have this, rectangle across her face I was like yeah yeah and it's funny because I'm like we're talking about makeup and we're not even supposed to be talking about makeup but I just feel like it could have been Sorry. blended in and then the white could have been blended down and because you're right she's based on a bird I don't know I don't know I, it must have been a huge conversation and also I'm not sure in terms of Disney and who says what and then also because you're doing a you're shooting in China I also 
there was a conversation going on with my friends, just like how much say China had in terms of just like what was in the film, what's the propaganda, what, how are they viewed? I mean, I'm sure that played a huge role in terms of like what could be shown and approved. So I don't even know. That must have been a monster of a film to like get approved and like <laughs> like shot. Like, between oh the God. Disney, yeah, between the Disney, exactly. I, th I agree between the Disney people and the Chinese propaganda or, you know, gatekeepers. It's, yeah, no, it, it is. I can't imagine that it was an easy process for anybody. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, 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 I feel like it's a good contender, though, in terms of like the people that vote and what, what they might be. I mean, it's an impressive film. It's lots of costumes. God, is there a costume count? Has anyone seen one as far as like how many there are? Because I feel like every time, again, it's just, you know, beautiful swirling colors going across and, and all the battles. And and even all the women when um, they're like, they're walking through and just all the women are standing there with their amazing hair and like, you know, impeccable makeup and just like the, the yardage of fabric just with like all of, you know, their sleeves and like, uh, it was, yeah, <laughs> huge budget. Yeah. And Katie, I'm struck by what you mentioned earlier, just from the idea that the armor might have one design, but there's got to be a different set of armor for each of the different scenarios you talked about. On top of what the look is, you've got to get it looked right with different materials and different weights and different you know, circumstances for each of those that just adds to the challenges for this department behind the scenes. And then adding on for a stunt double. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. You have all of it for the hero actor and then you have all of it for the stunt double as well. I was gonna say, and sometimes there could be different stunt doubles because you could have a stunt double who specializes in horseback riding as opposed to an underwater stunt double as opposed to a hand-to-hand -hand <laughs> combat. So like, it's not even that one person is going, and that one other person is going to be wearing it. And then that stunt double doesn't show that day. So then you have a new set of <laughs> so you have to worry about oh my yeah. gosh yeah. or like you know the old you know this is the best guy who does horseback riding in in battle and he's six inches taller and you're like how do and they're like but we need to make them look the same size and you're like i can't i don't okay <laughs> here we go I've been watching like older films during the pandemic just to kind of like refresh and also like oh i never saw that i should watch it and i was just shocked by the male stunt doubles in older films and like wearing the wigs i'm like that is not a woman that is not a woman that is not a woman that's a horrible double um oh my gosh yeah i mean that and day for night i was watching a western the, the other night and i was like this is like being shot at noon the sun <laughs> is overhead it's just it's you know it's what we expect everything now can look so real and we expect it to and so what we accept as concessions for filmmaking is is interesting and has changed what is funny to me that you guys have had time both to watch current films and go back through the archives yay pandemic uh, lots of <laughs> lots of uh lots of movie watching with us uh, all locked in at home let's turn our attention to the last film on our list it's the italian pinocchio Costume designer Massimo Cantini Perini. Apologies for pronunciation. What do you guys think of Pinocchio? I think it's beautifully done costume wise. 
again, the fantastical world that they create with the puppets and is, is stunning. It was really interesting to me to see the effects of time and age on this fairy world. Um, the character of the snail, for instance, who is, you know, kind of the maid and the nanny and the kind of the caretaker is this soft character. But, and it's almost like all of the color has slightly been drained or leached out of her. And so something that was once very rich and colorful, like you might find in a child's toy is now mauve and kind of periwinkle. And so I thought that that was a very rich contrast to the everyday world of Geppetto and the browns and the, you know, the dirt realism colors that, that we see in the rest of the world. Oh, I was so happy that this was nominated and I was so happy that we had the chance to watch it. I never heard of it. Um, and uh, it was great because it's also with the same actor that did uh, Life is Beautiful um, and he was Geppetto. And I just, I just thought it was so gorgeous. I thought this film was amazing looking. The production design with the hair and makeup again and costume was married just seamlessly. I, I, it looked, it looked like a moving, gosh, this, it looked like a stylized photo shoot, but just never stopped. It was a film, you yeah. know, it, it, I just couldn't get over it. it just like the powdery textures of like the makeup with like the faded blue wigs. And then they would kind of just marry into like a dress. Ah, I, I, I loved it. I loved, and it was just also so dirty. It was so dirty mm -hmm. and it was so grimy and it had that like ugly, beautiful aspect to it. Um, it, it just seemed like from another era, uh, just so poor, you know, the people of the towns that Pinocchio would go through just were so poor. They were so hungry and you know, the, the dirt under their nails. And you could tell that they just been wearing the same coat and jackets for like years and years. Geppetto's beautiful shirt that he wears through the entire film is just beautifully tacked on the top of his collar. And you could just tell like, he can't afford a new one. He keeps repairing it, he keeps repairing it, he keeps repairing it, he keeps repairing it. And by the time he gets out of the whale, it's just so brown and it's just so dirty. And he's just been through so much to try to find his son. And I loved Pinocchio's costume, great choice in fabric. And oh, I just, yeah, and all the characters, if you know, in terms of just like there were, you know, the cat and the fox and um, all the puppets that came alive. There was, uh, you know, chimpanzee, there's a snail. There were, the oh, the doctors were birds? Yeah. The doctors were birds. You had the cricket. Um, to see that all live action and then to interpret that and then into a costume, it wasn't always very literal, which I loved because it was still like human people with these elements of like, in terms of the fox, he had like orange hair and he had whiskers and he had claws and you could tell that he was a fox, but he still had a human face. Um, and then in terms of just like being sly like a fox, like just, you know, kind of like that black, like silhouette of a suit, you know, long tails um, and just kind of like sneaky. I just, it was so great. It was such a great creepy film. It was such a creepy film. Did you think it was scary? I was like, this shouldn't be scary. And this is like scaring me. No, I, I agree. I think it, well, it goes back to fairy tales actually being scary, as opposed to the Disneyfication that, you know, a lot of us grew up with. Because I remember watching Pinocchio as a kid and being scared by it. But as an adult, you watch the cartoon Pinocchio and, 
you know, the fair is a little creepy and the whale is definitely scary, but then it's, it's fine. At no point does it feel truly dangerous. And I think you're right, Allison, this felt truly dangerous in a way that was new. And the, as you say, the grime of it all, it's like, it just, it was palpable. This is definitely not Disney's Pinocchio. As I said, the Italians have gone back to the original material on this for bringing together the film. And I think it's an interesting contrast with what you said earlier, Allison, about Mulan, where the costumes were on some level, and I hadn't thought about it when watching, inspired by the, the color and animation that was the f- cartoon that they were remaking versus Pinocchio with this idea of going for this grime and this dirty, and yes, across the board, and just really a different interpretation as it played out in the costumes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they hung Pinocchio, it's like only in Italy could they be shown that. <laughs> Italy could they be making that. Something I didn't realize until I was reading up and looking, because I too had no idea this film came out last year. And so when I saw that it was nominated, I was like, what is this? Um, evidently when the story Pinocchio was originally written, it was a serial and they left it with Pinocchio hanging from the tree. Oh wait, so wait, it never, it never ended in terms of the original? it, it, it was meant to end with him hanging. And then there was such reader backlash that the, the author came back and wrote a few more (laughs) to get him off of the tree. But no, he was intended just to be hanging on the tree. Was this like propaganda for kids to behave? I mean, the whole film is just about like Pinocchio, like be good, be good to your parents. I think it was. I'm not familiar with the history, but that was a clear, clear lesson of the story throughout. Like the government paid the writer. I was like, I I wish I knew the history of this because it's so fascinating because I just, I was, I was taking it very literally. Like, I bet this is the true exact way that Pinocchio is supposed to be. And that we just... Mm -hmm never were able to see it and only the Italians could do it well it's something when you say only the Italians could do it that was something I was as I was watching I was like I wonder if this film could have been made anywhere other than Italy and I don't think that that one could have because the just the feeling of it um and I know it you know the costume designer has also worked in theater and opera and was a tailor. I believe his grandmother worked, was a seamstress. And so, you know, he began sewing at a very early age and his costumes were actually put on display in, I think it's the Prato. And so you could have seen, they did this whole exhibit with the clothes from Pinocchio and some of the, you know, the, the scene, you know, the furniture from the scenes and all of that. But I mean, it's, it's like, going to La Scala and seeing an opera and having it all work together. It just, it's, it's very much in that world for me. I feel like they had to keep it in house too, in terms of having an Italian costume designer. I was like the things that he probably just knows and doesn't have to even like research or think about like they needed that. They need to have someone like him to do it, you know, to understand the towns and to understand like what people wore and like why they wore it and the, the real fabrics and, yeah, I thought it was like, oh, good choice in costumes. He <laughs> delivered. Well, the other thing about the towns, I thought it was fascinating because you could tell that they were different, but there was still a universality among all of the residents, which was really well done. You knew you, knew you had not been there before visually, 
but you still, it felt like, oh, okay, we know who these people are. We know that they're continuing to be so poor and hungry and unhappy. Mm-hmm. Was production design or makeup also nominated in this movie? Do you know? Nominated for makeup, not for production design and not for visual effects, despite the heavy reliance on that for this film. So, but uh, what, yes. Was it though? I feel like that was a prosthetic on his face, no? Was that makeup? A good question. I don't know. We'll see if our uh, experts in hairstyling and makeup uh, do that research and, and let us know. No, I really, I really do hope that that's makeup though on his face, just in terms of like a mask. I think it is because I was like thinking, was did they shoot this like WandaVision and then just put it later on top of his face because it's just like all one color and then add it later? But I feel like it being Italian, I feel like they just did the real thing. I also felt like it was really there. They may have used VFX to blend scenes or to help, you know, make it appear more just sitting naturally on his face. But no, I, I too thought it was actually in camera work. Yeah. yeah, only when the nose is growing, I think that's obviously. Yeah, but I feel like yeah. the whole thing was just nose growing, yeah. the donkey scenes, obviously, and uh, yeah. some other stuff that are a little uh, heavier on the visual effects side. But to your point, it might be just that they're using it to sort of blend, but going for a real mask for for most of it. One final question for both of you: Is there anything you thought was notable for costume design this year, but which is not nominated for an Oscar? Any shout outs? I really liked Trial of the Chicago 7. I think it falls squarely into history people remember. And if it's history people remember and it's clothing that you may have worn, then it is not, I don't want to say, you know, worthy of, but in some people's minds, it might not be worthy of a nomination. But I thought it was exceedingly well done. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I feel like that could have been interchanged with Mank. You know, but I feel like sometimes people get carried away with like glamour of things instead of just like practical civilian clothes. But if it's like mm-hmm. practical civilian clothes done really well, and then you had all those different type of types of characters in terms of like budgets and like classes and races, I mean, obviously they're gonna wear different things. And also, even though it was shot well shot in Chicago at, at the trial, you're you're bringing all these people from different states. So obviously there's like different cultures, and then the way they wore things you know what's happening in Chicago is happening in New York so yeah I would say yeah and that's also nominated for best picture right that is nominated in other categories but not in costume um that's interesting because so one of my um actors that I recently worked with was in that film and when he came back just to do reshoots with us he goes Allison he goes he's like so we're doing he's like we're doing this movie about civil rights and he's like and everyone's white they're all white men <laughs> and we just laughed because I think he just like confided to me as like an Asian woman like guess what there were there were so many like men here and blah 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 and isn't that like weird that we're making a movie about this and we still aren't diverse like grow well I think in a year where there's a lot of smaller films getting attention with the diversity of creators behind them I think it's important to talk about um, representation overall in our industry any other shout outs the other one that I just loved unexpectedly was I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike and uh, Chris Messina. I mean, I would watch a whole spinoff based on his character. Um, Again, modern dress, but stunningly, stunningly done. Peter Dinklage as the heavy is brilliant casting, in my opinion. And also just, it's 
it's really well done. You know who these people are and it's a lot of fun to watch. It's funny that you, you suggested that because as a fellow customer, like I, I completely understand where you're coming from because the entire time I watched that film, I also thought they did a really, really good job in terms of dressing her and mm-hmm. her partner. Um, yeah. And then just trying to show like, you know, she has money. This is her silhouette. These are her colors. This is what's important to her. This is another character. She also has money. This is what she wears. It may not look as expensive. We know it's expensive. I would really wonder, I wonder what other people think if they can notice that right away or if they don't notice it, which is also successful because it, it doesn't distract them. But yes, in terms of just um, her character um, and all the dresses and all the courtroom scenes and, and just pow- the power suits, her other partner's a little more masculine and she's a little bit more feminine in terms of just costumes. Uh, but yes, I agree. I agree. That's, that's, that's a good one. I, but like, it's never going to be nominated because it's modern. No, it won't. But it Probably. would be nominated in the guild in terms of just all the categories. Yeah. Um, I think this is where I plug in that I think that the Oscars should have a contemporary costume category and they should have a film period fantastical category and separate them. Split them out. So that they're not uh, going head to head and you can recognize yeah. some of the hard work that goes into making things current as far as the yeah. costume work goes. It's not sorry. It's not any easier to do a modern dress show than it is a period show. I know. I feel like people don't understand that though. That things are still like made to fit certain bodies, and then it's not like bought off the rack necessarily. People just assume other things though. You know, Katie, I want to mention briefly. It's I, I did not expect, and I care a lot reference, and I'm glad you brought it up. I think that was the one movie this year that I really hated as a film. <laughs> And, and it and but talking about the expertise that came to bear, particularly in costumes, as we're talking about today, it did remind me of Joker last year, which is another movie I really didn't like. But it was clear that people had brought their A game to every category where it was nominated, and so <laughs> I can see why there's a why uh, you can make that argument for it. We'll agree to disagree on how much fun the film is. Oh, I couldn't wait for all those characters to be stuck at the bottom of the lake, but. Uh... Wait, but didn't, okay. So I also didn't like that movie up until the very end. The end like saved it for me. I was like, if she doesn't, I mean, spoiler, if she doesn't die, <laughs> I, I can't finish this film. And then when she died, I was very, very happy. I was like, okay. It was worked. not enough for me. In my, for me, and again, this is not about costumes, but it just felt like they were saying they were bad, but they were so indulgent in, join the bad that the very end of the movie felt like, Oh shit, we better fix this kind of move just at the end there. And I know it's, I mean, whatever his intentions and what he was telling with it, I just, I couldn't stand any of them, but Hey, that movie is polarizing though. I've heard so many, like it is a polarizing film. This movie is very polarizing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we certainly covered the spectrum of things. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. This was great. Two down, seven to go. Join us again in a couple of days for the next installment of our 2021 Oscar coverage. I really appreciate your feedback. You can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-Z. If you're enjoying the series, I hope you'll rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us reach new listeners. And new listeners, please check out our catalog of previous episodes at the website, belowtheline.biz. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. 
And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at PodBullingOn. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. Logos available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Are we going to have this pause every time? You guys can decide who goes <laughs> first or we can just. Well, that's what, that's what happens when you have women on your show because they're polite and uh, <laughs> we're so used to a guy cutting in front of us. That's like, it's just like default pause, I think. There will be the mistake on these for me to give my opinion on the costumes first. So you don't have to worry about me trying to kick things off every time. <laughs>